Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everyone? And welcome to episode 104 of the OCR Underground Show. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, head on over to OCRunderground.com slash episode dash 104. Well, I, uh, I've been traveling a ton, so it's been tough to uh, get a recording down. So I'm glad to finally get back on track. Uh, it's been nice to, to travel again. Uh, recently, I've been to Charlotte teaching a course. Um, I recently did a FMS course uh, for the Navy in uh, Coronado on North Island at the, the Navy base there, which was a super cool experience. And actually, tomorrow, I am heading out to Houston to teach another course. So it's been uh, really cool traveling around and, and getting to teach these workshops again. And actually, I got to throw in a little bit of fun, got to spend uh, the end of the summer family vacation up in Tahoe, uh, which was an awesome, awesome time. I've been to Tahoe actually only once uh, for a Spartan race and um, didn't really get to explore too much. So it was nice to get back there with the family and um, really enjoy, enjoy the end of the summer. But now the kids are back in school, back to the routine. So it uh, feels uh, great to travel, but good to be back on on track as well. Uh, coming up, we have a DECA, a couple of DECA events at my studio that I want to make sure I let you know about. Uh, we're doing a combo weekend, DECA Strong and a DECA Mile. This is going to be on September 23rd and 24th. So if you're in the SoCal area, uh, the studio is in Carlsbad. It's always a fun event. Have some giveaways and, and fun stuff for all the participants that, that participate. Uh, plus, we have a great course set up. Always have some incredibly fast times um, just on the setup alone. So a uh, really cool event. You can head to the uh, DECA.fit site and you can find us on there. But I'll make sure to put some links to both of those events in the show notes uh, so you can sign up and join us as an individual. We'll have team heats as well as kid heats as well. So anyway, you want to join us, uh, that's going to be a blast. Now, uh, in today's episode, uh, I have some some really good topics I want to talk about. It's just me, no interview this time. But in my research review, I am going to get into a topic I find myself talking out uh, talking a lot about, but I just think it's important because I don't think people are really taking advantage of this. And this is the idea of uh, training to failure. And I found a really good article looking at a whole bunch of different studies on uh, seeing is it worth it should you be training to failure or or not uh, and then in uh, my inside mike's mind segment so the main segment for today it's actually a part two so if you remember in the last episode i talked on how to make your body more resilient well this time i want to talk about how to make your mind more resilient so i have some great strategies uh to really strengthen that that, that mental toughness we know the the mind's probably the first thing that's going to give out before your body does, so the stronger we can get the, the mind, uh, the stronger the body is going to be. So I have some great stuff for you in today's episode. Uh, but first, I want to make sure I let you know about our sponsors. And I have a great combo with today's sponsors to help you uh, train harder, recover faster, and then track your progress. So on the training side, I want to talk about the Amino Company. The Amino Company makes high-quality essential amino acid supplements. If you listened uh, a few episodes ago, I, I got to interview uh, co-founder Dr. Robert Wolf, and he explained all about amino acids, not just about their products, but what amino acids are, why they're so important, and, and how they can help you out. 
So, so many clients are struggling to get enough protein in. And obviously, whole food sources are going to be great, but getting additional help from supplements like the Amino Company makes this task incredibly easy. They have formulations specifically for increasing training performance, improving muscle repair and recovery, as well as even improving liver function. So if you're looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting peak athletic performance and maximizing the training effects, uh, I highly recommend you check out the Amino Company. Right now, you can get 30% off your order when you visit aminoco.com slash OCR and just make sure you use the discount code OCR at checkout. I'm also really excited to let you know about the ice pod. I've been following my, my social media. I've been posting about my ice pod and I get in there three, four days a week. I, I really enjoy using it. It just feels amazing uh, to, to take that cold plunge on a regular basis. And you know, I talk so much about recovery and I think ice baths, it was, uh, they, they're incredibly popular. Um, and often the, the biggest struggle has just been the, the money to, uh, to get some of the products out there and the logistics with it. And, and the pod company and their ice pod has really changed all that. Uh, so uh, super simple to, to set up. It's incredibly affordable, portable. You can use it indoors, outdoors, keeps the water cold for days. Uh, and uses UV resistant material for an outdoor setup. So it's great. You can leave it out in the sun, which is great in the summertime. So like I said, it's it's super affordable and I do have an affiliate link with them so you can save $10 off your order. It's a little bit long. So just make sure you go to the show notes and you can check out the link for uh, the pod company and their IcePod Pro and all their other products, um, as well as the other um, sponsors of, of this episode. And one final one, I want you to check out uh, track in their Dara scale. It's an incredible tool that help you monitor your progress. Uh, the Dara is easy to use, comprehensive and accurate scale that gives you 17 health metrics, including uh, body fat, BMR, metabolic age, body water percentage, bone mass, and much more. It's easy to understand and explains what each metric means for you and helps you make better decisions to see improvements. Uh, the app features progress reports, health scores, nutrition logs, and even fitness videos. FitTrack helps you get a comprehensive picture of your body, which helps you make smarter choices that can have a significant impact on body composition and performance goals. So right now you can get 50% off on their website and an additional 20% off when you use my code OCR underground. So just head on over to getfittrack.com and start measuring your progress. All right, well, let's get into today's episode. Well, let's jump into today's episode with my research review. And like I mentioned, I want to talk about training to failure. Uh, I found a great article in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research uh, called The Effects of Resistance Training Performed to Failure or Not to Failure on Muscle Strength, Hypertrophy, and Power Output, a systematic review with meta-analysis. So this was a study of studies. Uh, they looked at uh, a large number of different studies to see kind of what their results were to get a better picture of this, this topic of training to failure. And I like with this one that they actually looked at a number of different things. So training to failure for strength, hypertrophy, or which means muscle size or power. So these are all important things that you might be interested in. So um, we'll look at specifically, should you be training to failure or not? And there's no, no secret that strength training and resistance training gets you bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful. What we're looking for, and my goal with all of these research reviews is, is to really find the most efficient way that you can do that to keep your body as safe and fresh as possible, right? You beat your body up all the time. There's a cost to that. So we want to be able to push hard 
but not so hard that we're actually having negative effects from our training. And I think that's where a lot of people run into issues is they think, you know, more is better. And I was like that quote, it's, you know, better is better. So it's, it's always trying to find the best way that we can do this. And when it makes sense to think, you know, you train as hard as you can and you'll get the most results, but um, that doesn't always seem to be the case. And there's a few other studies that found similar results that showed training to failure while it helped, right? I don't want to say that you're not going to get better when you train to failure, um, but the big problems that come in are you're increasing your risks of things going wrong. You're more likely to hurt yourself, pull muscles, tendonitis, things like that. So we always have to weigh out that that risk. Is it worth it if I'm always training training to to failure? So um, the the idea though is that we we push ourselves hard and we we lift heavy and we go until we can't go anymore because we're trying to recruit as many motor units or muscle fibers as possible, right? So when you lift weights, let's say you lift something very light. You don't use every muscle you have to do that. Your body's very efficient. It's only going to use, you know, the minimal amount of effort it has to. So it's only going to recruit so many motor units and muscle fibers it needs that it needs to in order to lift that weight. So if you're doing lighter resistance and that's kind of all you do and you don't don't hit failure, then a lot of the muscle fibers will never never even be active, activated, right? So it's hard to really get bigger and stronger when you're not activating all muscle fibers. And if you've been working out for a long time, this is even more of a problem. So always keep that in mind. If you're new and you are just, just getting into lifting or it's been several months to years since you've worked out, then really anything is going to be a great start. Uh, so you don't really have to train to failure at all. You're just trying to get back into the habit and you're going to get get strong pretty quick um, with minimal effort. But comes time you hit a plateau, those same training strategies aren't going to be the same benefits. So you have to push a little bit harder. So the idea is if we push until we can't go anymore, you're going to recruit the most amount of motor units. This is something referred to as the size principle. You will go from smallest to largest, the smallest muscle motor units to the largest motor units. Uh, so if you don't go long enough or heavy enough, you don't get the bigger motor units, which means you can't get the most out of your training. Um, but what this study went into um, looking at older studies was they found that using EMG studies where they actually look at um, where uh, or how much the muscles are being activated during during a, a repetition what they found was that maximal engagement actually occurred before the the failure repetition so they were getting all the motor units active before they even went went to failure so uh that that was kind of showing that we actually didn't need to go to failure to get all the the motor units firing now, the other big thing we have to consider and kind of what this study showed was the idea of volume. Now, a lot of the, some of the studies that they looked at matched for volume. And what I mean by volume is the total amount of work performed. So there's a few different ways that you can measure this, but it's usually, you know, if you multiply sets times reps times weight, you get a number, how much pound pounds you've lifted. Um, we want to keep that as equal as possible when we're looking at different training strategies because if you change the volume it's really not the same workout anymore and that's you know something to think about with training to failure so 
when I train to failure, like every single set in particular, um, you fatigue, right? And when you fatigue, you're not going to get as many reps in the next set. So your volume is going to start to get smaller and smaller. So if you're doing less volume, you're not going to get the same benefit. Where if I didn't train to failure, but overall in the workout, I get more reps completed um, and maybe even heavier loads that I'm lifting because I didn't train to failure. Uh, well, now that volume goes up. And that seems to be one of the bigger, biggest drivers for strength, hypertrophy, and power. And, and really, that was the, the main finding in here was this idea that when you when you matched all of this, um, comparing training to failure and not training to failure, there didn't seem to be much of a difference. And in fact, in some cases, uh, and actually in a few cases, in particular with strength and power, not training to failure was more beneficial. Now they did find with hypertrophy, trying to get bigger muscles, that it did seem that training to failure was a little bit more beneficial there. So, um, but they also wanted to note that that's usually with higher volume because you were just training to failure and you're getting more, more reps in there. So it really just depends on what are you looking for? Are you trying to get bigger muscles? Are you trying to get stronger? Are you trying to be more powerful? Now you may want a little bit of all those, but I think it's, it's smart to consider what's the most important piece to that. So all of these have pros, pros and cons, training to failure and not training to failure. You just have to decide what makes the most sense for you. If you're the type of person who tends to get injured a lot, um, strained muscles, joints, things like that, I don't think it's ideal that you train to failure all the time, right? Pick and choose when this would be appropriate. Know that this is more of a mindset thing. You can get equal if not greater benefits by doing less and i know that's that's the hardest part for people to accept is they think that's that's impossible i have to train harder to get better but what a lot of the research is showing is that's just not true and i know with my training and and what i try and promote with my clients is the same way now this doesn't mean i think you should never train to failure i think it's it's just important that we plan it properly so you're just being smart about it so if maybe you're on the newer side or you're somebody who um, does tend to get hurt more often, I think we should train to failure much, much less. Um, if you're, you know, don't deal with problems like that, you might be able to get away with it a little bit more, but not all the time. So I think um, some smart ways to look at it. Number one, probably only one set to failure for each exercise that you're doing. So if you're, let's just say you're doing three sets of, uh, of an exercise, the first two sets, I think you should, you know, think about this reps in reserve concept. So you should be leaving a few reps in the tank before you're done. So you're not going to lift until you can't lift anymore. You're going to leave two, maybe three reps in the tank. Then you're going to recover, maybe go on and do a superset, whatever it might be. And then you're going to come back. And then when you get to your final set, then maybe that's something to think about. You might go um, max effort on that last set. Uh, one thing I, I like to do as well when I write programs is I actually color code the program. So if we're going to go through a, a program where we're going to go through that for a few cycles, you know, usually three to four weeks um, trying to progress through this program. And then I'll color code it green, yellow, yellow, red. And that's for each week. So like green, this is the just kind of learning the workout. You're not going to go crazy. It might be some new movements. You're going to be a little sore just because we're doing some new movements. We don't need to go in partic uh, particularly heavy. I just want you to get uh, pretty comfortable with the move the new movements that we might be doing 
here. So I just marked that green. This is, yeah, we're going to, for all sets, we're probably going to leave two to three sets in the tank. Uh, so you're not training the failure for any set exercise that first round through the workout. Uh, then we're going to progress to yellow. Uh, so for most people, we'll have two weeks of yellow. And here we're going to leave, you know, just a few reps in the tank. So now for all sets, we're going to leave like one to two reps. So we're going to go pretty close to failure um, the second and third time around this, this workout cycle. But we're still not going to train completely to failure. Uh, and then when we get red, this is the last time we're going to be going through this workout. You should be comfortable with all the movements. Now we're going to be training to failure. We're going to do max effort um for for each of our lifts there obviously being safe about it but we should have good technique by this point so now we're going to load up and and go go to failure or as, as many reps as we can do um so that would be the final week and then when we look at our next cycle we're going to go back to green so that kind of gives me another week so i went really hard the previous week now i have an easier week that i know i'm not going to be pushing it as hard so it's kind of a built-in recovery every you know one week out of the month uh, so that just is a, a kind of basic but really simple way to put together program where um, you, you're still going to hit failure. You're just not going to hit it all the time. So I think that's a, a simple way to put it. So uh, a, a couple of things to keep in mind that I, I want to make sure I mention. And I know I've talked about this through other studies on this topic, but I think it's important that that we bring it up. You know, recently I talked about this with training to failure with um, high load and low loads. So if, if you are trying to build some more strength and size and you're lifting heavier resistance, um, it's less of a need to go to failure. When you're lifting lighter loads and higher repetition, that's going to require more training to failure. So kind of look at what you're doing in your training cycle. Are you hitting some of those high reps, more endurance-based training? Uh, those ones, you're probably going to want to go as close to failure as you can to get the most out of those workouts because you're using less intensity for it. But if I'm hitting some higher intensity stuff and I'm going to be doing less reps, it's um, not as important that we hit that, that failure with every uh, set that we go. Uh, the other thing is velocity. Velocity-based training is something that's really important to, to pay attention to as well. And um, what a lot of the studies have, have shown in terms of velocity-based training, as soon as you lose a certain percentage of velocity from each, from, you know, based off of your first rep, uh, we're starting to see less and less benefit from, from that set. So now again, forms probably breaking down. You're not getting the most out of it, more likely to get hurt, things like that. So uh, if you're seeing that your reps are really slowing down, that might be a time to, you know, stop right there, recover, and then do it again. So you can always, if you're used to training like three sets and you go to failure, you know, try doing four or five sets, but leaving a few reps in the tank. So you're going to still get high volume work, um, but less strain on the body, which also might mean you might be able to bounce back faster and work out more, more often. So uh, there's a few ways that we can implement that, but something I, I'll probably keep preaching about because I do think it's important, you know, evaluate your program. Do you always train to failure or do you never train to failure, right? We want to be kind of in the middle. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, because they have pros and, and cons of each. So uh, just pay attention to that when you're when you're designing your strength programs. In today's Mike's Mind segment, this is going to be, like I mentioned, a continuation of the last episode and how to become more resilient. Last time we talked about how to physically become more resilient, how to bulletproof your body so you can handle the, the stresses of training and racing and 
anything that life throws at you. And I think those are, are going to be really important concepts to, to remember. Now we're going to talk about the, the mental side of it, how to be more mentally resilient. And I've uh, kind of talked about this in the past. And even in my book, I, I almost didn't include anything on mental training because it wasn't something that I had totally bought into and didn't use it a ton. Um, and then I really started to to embrace it and and try things and play around with it with myself and with clients. And um, when I did, then I noticed some pretty big breakthroughs because the, the mind's a powerful tool. And if we're not using it to our advantage, it, a lot of times it brings us down. So I just think this is something that if you're like me, it, how I used to be, and you really go all in on the physical side of it, you definitely want to embrace some of these things and just try them out and, and see how they might help with with training, with performing, and and hopefully other areas of life as well. So uh, to kind of start this off, we think about, you know, how do we, why do we give up? Why do we fatigue? Now there is the physical side of it, and we're running out of energy and, you know, physiological byproducts are building up and that's all interfering with muscle contractions and things like that and and all of those things are important and training will help improve that um but it's pretty clear that our mind will shut our body down before our body actually shuts down right we're going to start to talk ourselves out of it before um we really need to and the more you train the the better you get at quieting some of those voices um, but I think for most people, that's that's the reality is that your your brain kind of shuts you down. So I, I came across a concept called the psychobiological model for endurance performance. And you um, can't remember. I wish I could give credit where I first heard about it. Um, but it is um, basically saying that endurance performance is determined by two psychological factors in the conscious brain. And that's motivation and perception of effort. So we can think about it this way. We slow down because we exerted the maximal effort that we're willing to do in order to be successful, right? So that's our motivation level. We don't feel like it's worth it anymore to push any harder. So once you've kind of lost that motivation to push, obviously you're going to go, you're going to slow down, right? You're not going to push as hard anymore. Um, or we believe that we've ex uh, exerted our maximal possible effort and simply can't um, can't continue at the current pace. That's the perception of our limit. So if we want to increase mental performance, we kind of look at those two things. We can look at increasing motivation and decreasing perception of effort. And I think there's a number of different ways that that we can do both of those things. So if we look at motivation, um, there's a lot of ways that you can motivate yourself. And this, you kind of have to know you. You have to know what your external motivators are, your internal motivators are, um, all of those types of things. That what's what's going to motivate you to continue? So I, I have you have to kind of think, whatever you're doing, why are you doing it? What's the reason? Why is it so important? Right? Ask yourself these questions. Why is your life going to be any different if you, if you do this, if you push harder, if you win a race? Um, whatever it might be. And obviously you're the only one that can answer these things. And the only person that it matters what the answer is, is to you, right? It, but it has to be important. It has to mean something for you. You have to feel like that it's worth it, right? You have to understand all this effort that you're putting into your training. As hard as you're pushing it, it has to be worth it. 
And if we lose that, we've lost that motivation. And uh, that's going to be a killer of performance. So this motivator may change. You know, it might be starting as something as simple as you just want to take care of your body. Um, you want to try something you've never done before. And that's really important to you to, to step out of your comfort zone, things like that. But then you might do a few races and you kind of get that hook and you want to keep doing it. And then you just kind of go through the motion, right? Because that same motivation isn't going to push you anymore because you've already, it's you, this racing concept is now in your comfort zone. It's not as challenging anymore. So now thinking of new motivations, like you want to um, be able to do a, a particular race that that is going to be challenging. You want to do an ultra beast. You want to get on the podium. You want to challenge yourself to do these different things, right? So there's uh, different things that start your motivation, but they don't always keep you going. So if this isn't something that you've thought about in a while, you may want to consider why are you doing this stuff, right? What's what's the motivation behind it? Because it's probably not the same as it was when you first started. It rarely is. The motivation that you use to get going uh, pretty much never lasts that long, right? So these are things you have to find new motivators, you know, understand, well, why is it worth it? That I'm pushing through, and um, once you can understand that, I think you'll you'll have a lot more motivation. So, having motivation looked at, we we want to look at this decreased perception effort, and I have uh, three ways that we can really really work on um, improving this because the less effort you feel like you're exerting, the better off you're going to be. Um, now, there's a uh, training will do this, and, and that, that's not one of the wins I wanted to talk about, but it's it's something that obviously will help you. The more you train, the better your body gets at handling stress and the easier that work becomes. So training is obviously going to work with your brain and your brain's going to work with your body. These things do work together. So do keep that in mind that it's important we train. We can't just abandon workouts and go all in on the mental side of it. We, we need that, that balance, working on the body, working on the brain um, to get the most out of this, this training. So I think the first place to start to improve our perception of, of effort uh, is self-talk. And this sounds too simple to work, but I know I've talked about studies that have shown the power of self-talk, but um, our thoughts eventually become our actions, good or bad. Right. If you tell yourself that you you suck at something, you're no good, you're not going to get better. Unfortunately, that's probably what's going to happen. Right. We have to understand that these words inside our head are not just words and they will become actions. So why not use that for our benefit? Right. So I think the first step is just trying to become aware of of when those negative thoughts are, are creeping in because it happens really really often. And don't just think workouts, think throughout the day, because they're always going to be there. It's easy to stress on the negative, right? So understanding, uh, hey, those are just negative thoughts. They're just words in my head right now. Let's stop it right there. How can we how can we turn it into a, a positive, right? We have to learn how to start to control our thoughts. Now, it's okay if you're not where you want to be, because that's probably what's motivating us to get better. But we just want to understand that we are a work in progress and we're just trying to get to the next step, right? So when we have these negative thoughts, instead of having them take us down, have them build us back up, right? Even though you feel like you're you're not faster, understanding 
this is the work I have to put in to get faster. This is the work I have to put in to get stronger. It's going to be uncomfortable. That's okay. I'm strong. I can deal with it, right? So having these uh, um, these thoughts turning positive is going to help with motivation, which is going to help in this whole whole process. And all of a sudden, you're going to see that you are pushing harder. You're less likely to give up to to do one less rep or slow down or whatever it might be. So I, I think being aware of those thoughts. I do think you have to confront your thoughts a little bit as well and um, experience it. And, and I mentioned my book. And one of the things I talked about that really helped me in particular when I was training for my ultra, I, I talk about a lot is um, I would do workouts on a treadmill, no music. And um, the, the thought of that just sounds terrible, right? So I would um, stare at a wall and I'd get on there for, you know, what, whatever I could handle. Some days it would be 15 minutes. Other days I'd make it an hour. Um, I just had to go and I all I had was my thoughts. I wasn't going to distract myself with music. I didn't cover up the display. I saw every single second creep by and I just had to sit there and talk to myself. And um, I, I think this was a powerful tool because when I would get out there and race, um, sometimes I was by myself. There was oftentimes not a person was around me. Um, I didn't have anybody I could just pick up and have some conversations with to, to help push me along. I was just out there running sometimes in the dark, right? So you you just have to start to understand, hey, I, I'm in control of any thought that comes into my head. I just have to practice it. So just like everything else you practice. So practice positive self-talk, being aware of when you're going negative um, and confronting yourself, right? Put yourself in a, in a spot where you have, you're alone with your thoughts. You know, if that's your meditation or running or whatever it might be, I do think that's gonna be very, very helpful. Um, the next piece is I, I do think you need to do hard things, right? If you never do anything hard, um, you're going to always perceive things to be hard. I, I talked about, you know, uh, my ice baths, and I know this is something uh, that a lot of people do and have found a lot of benefit of, of not just on the physio physiology of recovery, but just the mental side of it. I, I don't know that I've talked to anybody that you know, likes getting into freezing cold water. They they like the effects of it and they like how they feel afterwards, um, but they don't usually like getting in there. It's very difficult to do. Now it's summertime right now and it's a little bit easier when it's when it's winter time. And I know it's hard for me to say winter in Southern California, but it will get colder. And having to get into a into cold water when it's not hot outside is, is going to be even a harder challenge. But I think those are it's important as often as I do it now in the summertime, I'm going to try and do it just as often in the wintertime as well, because this is something I I want to embrace that I can do these things. They're really hard. And then when you get through it, you you get that rush, right? That dopamine hit where all of a sudden things are a little easier, right? It's a little better. You 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 confronted something that was challenging and you over overcame it. And uh, I think there's lots of ways you can do it, but just trying to embrace uh, embrace the pain in some way. If that's and that's not always just a hard workout, um, but yeah, that that definitely is part of it. And I mentioned that, so I know I just talked about don't train to failure, but sometimes you need to push yourself really hard. Uh, not all the time, but these are not just great physical workouts. I do think you get a lot of, of that mental side of it where you just see the workout written down and it just looks terrible and you just don't want to do it. Like those are the workouts that you want to push through. You know, sometimes you have a hard workout, but you enjoy it. Find the ones that you don't really enjoy, right? Go to that place, embrace that, embrace that pain. 
right? The, the more you expect it to hurt, probably the easier it's going to be. When you go in, you know, we don't want to always be positive, right? We, we want to understand this is going to be very hard. It's going to be difficult for me to get through, but I am going to do it, right? So we're not going to stay totally negative, but just expecting that it's going to be a challenge. Um, taking your, 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 your thoughts to that place, but understanding you're going to come out of it on the other side even, even better. Uh, so I, I think that's an important. So uh, embrace that challenge in some way, ice baths, tough workouts, whatever that means for you, um, go to those places. Uh, and then the last thing I think is important to talk about is putting yourself under pressure, right? You have to expose yourself to different challenges. And sure, this could mean a workout, um, but I think it's, it's lots of things that we can put this by. And I, I think how I relate to this piece of it the most is with public speaking, right? So this was something if you were go, if I would go back to high school, how terrified I was to have to public speak, to get in front of a class and, and give a presentation or whatever it might be, uh, I would lose sleep over those things. I would want to think of any reason not to be in that class, skip it, get a zero on the assignment just because I didn't want to want to do it. But you do it, you get through it. Um, and then when I went to college, I had to do it even more. And I went to grad school, I had to do it even more. And and now um, I sought out jobs that I had to public speak. I'm in front of people all day speaking. Um, I travel, I've gotten to go to different countries and speak and, and do all these really cool things. And now it's really not a big deal, right? I've done it so much. Um, I am comfortable with the material, right? I, I, I'm not just getting up there talking about something I don't know about, um, but still I can get up in front of people and talk and it's not really a big stress anymore. It's not a big deal and I, I can perform well. Uh, so that's how I relate to it. But you need to find what stresses you out. Like, is, is it race day? Do you need to sign up for more races? Can you put yourself at a disadvantage and put the pressure on you a little bit? Um, maybe instead of maybe sign up for a local 5k and, uh, you do a really tough workout the day before, right? You don't taper, you don't try and maximize your performance, put yourself at a disadvantage and see if you can perform when you're not in your ideal situation. So challenge yourself in those, those different ways, uh, step up and go into age group or elite or, or whatever it might be. Um, find these different ways that are going to put you under pressure a little bit, because the more you are exposed to that, uh, the easier it's going to feel and you were less likely to suffer maybe that pre-race anxiety or, or whatever it might be that, that really um, affects your performance. So I think that's uh, another important piece is that we, we put yourself in those moments, put yourself under pressure so that eventually you're going to thrive in those situations. So I think um, this this boils down to really two two things that you really need to think about in order to become more mentally resilient: perception and uh, self confidence or self efficacy. You might hear, hear that term as well. So uh, perception, right? You have to experience that that pain. You have to perceive what it's going to be like and know that you can get through it. So um, the more you can work on that perception, I think overall, the better you're going to do. And then the big thing is just the self, the self-confidence or self-efficacy that you believe that you can be successful in these situations. And if you don't believe you're going to be successful, it's going to be really hard to overcome it. And you are going to be, it's kind of, you're going to be like driving around with the emergency brake on, 
you're going, but you're definitely having something holding you back. And it's as simple as just the thoughts that you're thinking. So I think what, what you need to do is experience success. So make sure you are giving yourself wins. It's not always about pushing hard and failing. You know, you want to fail so you get better, but you also want to succeed. So make sure you're doing things that you will be successful. So you get that kind of that taste as well. So perception, self-confidence, I think are um, just two, the, the two takeaways from, from all the things that, that we're, we're talking about here, um, because your, your mind will really control how you perform. Uh, I like the quote from, from Ryan Holiday, the writer. Um, he wrote the book, The Obstacle is the Way, and, and a bunch of other really good books. Um, I'll probably mess up the quote a little bit, but um, he basically says, there's no good or bad without us. The only, uh, there's only the uh, experience. So if, so there's the event itself, and then the story we tell ourselves, right? And I think that's incredibly true. Like we make these situations either a big deal or a small deal just by the words we say. Um, so making sure that we control those thoughts, like I said, so we can get through these different different challenges. Um, if you like this topic, I know there's a ton of books out there. I have a few that I've read that I thought were really helpful. Um, so I'll, I'll list them in the show notes, but um, I'll just list some of them, some of them, uh, of them here. Um, so like I mentioned, the obstacle away, uh, the obstacle is the way is, is a great one. Um, how bad, how bad do you want it? Endure, uh, what doesn't kill us, uh, the brave athlete, uh, and the wedge. Uh, I'll list all of those, um, those books as well. If you're looking for some things to listen to or, or read, uh, that really focus on, on that ideal of, of mental toughness and resiliency. So hopefully this helps. Um, you uh, have a more resilient body, but also a more resilient mind that will really, when you put these two things together, you'll, you'll be unstoppable for your races. Well, that's going to do it for episode 104 of the OCR underground show. As always, thank you so much for making this a part of your OCR training. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode, helping you get physically, physically and mentally stronger. Make sure you check out the show notes for today's episode to uh, get any links mentioned, all the uh, book recommendations that I have, as well as all the uh, affiliate links for the sponsors of today's show. So make sure you check out uh, Pod Company and their awesome IcePod Pro if you want to find an affordable way to implement uh, cold plunges into your daily routine. Check out the Amino Company and their incredible essential amino acid supplements and check out FitTrack and their awesome Dara scale to help you track your progress better. All right, well, that's it from me. Um, until next time, you guys keep training smarter.